Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, 24's podcast. Kind of a late night edition. I've been really doing homework for the last like six, seven hours trying to get ahead because I got a long, very, very long shift tomorrow. I don't know if we'll be able to listen to Olivia Rodrigo's album, newest album, Guts, unfortunately, tomorrow on the podcast because I am still trying to figure out how exactly OBS is just a disaster right now whenever I try and add in any additional sources to scenes. I, I, I'm behind on OBS. I'm always behind on something. I'm mega busy right now. But I did want to go over, kind of review last night's game, Kansas City versus Detroit, in which... Once again, I accurately predicted that Kansas City was going to fall. I wasn't sure with Chris Jones being out, but when Travis Kelsey was out, I was like, oh yeah, they're going to struggle, and they did, and we'll talk about it as I am kind of re-watching it right now, as well as we'll talk about the rest of the NFL regular season games going on this weekend. It is opening weekend in the NFL. It's a great weekend, very, very important weekend, and also... I mean, it kind of just sprang up on me just how quickly the NFL regular season kind of came up just because of how busy I've been with kind of off uh, off of podcast stuff. Good thing is, though, I finally kind of got what I wanted um, with my job, so I'll probably be able... I'm, I'm not working six days a week um, next week, so which <laughs> I know, like, that's, that's like, wow, like... Like it's it's ridiculous how much I was I'm being worked. Weirdly enough, though, I mean I I see how I'm working thirty hours, but I'm working thirty hours. But the majority of that, I kid you not, like literally almost ten hours of that thirty hours is coming up tomorrow, and so over the entirety of the day tomorrow on Saturday. I'm going to be at work, and then for the rest of the week, it's like it's super easy. I don't think I'll have another 30-hour work week like that for a really, really long time, and I have two days off. Thank God. Thank God. And um, we'll be able to, like, see what's going on here. Hold on. I'm just, like, I'm, like, I'm looking at some stuff. I'm looking at, like, uh when I'm working and things of that nature. And also, oh, thank God. It's like, there's finally, it's like certain things are happening. Certain things are happening that are, that kind of are and were supposed to be happening. And, oh God, it's like, yes, I'm finally not going to die next week. Thank God. Thank God. Wow. I feel bad for one person that has to work for seven hours on Sunday. That's terrible. But yeah, I will not have to work on Sunday. That's when I'm going to be casting every single game. Unfortunately, not every single because of work. I've already done it with, um, I've already kind of scheduled it out. I'm going to be working for like half of the day on Sunday. Like I'm going to be working one to five and then I'm going to be off. And then um, we'll have, I guess, probably two podcasts game um not games excuse me but one covering the early and mid-afternoon games and then the final one covering Sunday night football and that's kind of how that's going to flow and go from here on out as well as like when do I work is it like I'm so happy about the schedule because a I don't have to like stay up mega late and b I um thank god by the way I um it's like I'd, I'd, I'm going to be working way less because I'm going to be just straight up late to work, essentially. But, oh, God, I, I, love the, I love the new schedule. I love that I will pretty much only have to work almost like four hours every single day instead of like in the back half of the week almost instead of like six. And I get out like mega late to, oh, God, I, I just I love that so much. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, God, that's going to be such a huge help for me. Sorry. Let's talk sports. Let's talk football. We got a lot of things to talk about here today, starting with Kansas City versus Detroit. So I've been worried for two weeks, potentially three weeks, whenever I learned that Chris Jones essentially wasn't at training camp, didn't report to training camp 
because he wanted a brand new contract. I believe that he was worth the brand new contract. What is the point of all of these players taking pay cuts if you don't pay one big player? It just so happens that one big player that you're paying is one player that was already on your team. Also, what's the point of not paying Travis Kelsey a bajillion dollars if you're not going to go after a wide receiver? When Kansas City passed up on DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Cooks and all of these wide receivers, I was kind of like, I quietly internally said, I was like, that's kind of interesting. You know, Justin Ross was this huge, not free agent, but draft pick from last year that had had a really great training camp and he really didn't play in this game. And he seemed to have a great rapport with Patrick Mahomes. So you kind of got to wonder what was going on there. Late in the game, Patrick started to go to Rasheed Rice, who I just saw his first drop, first attempt, first drop of the game, and he just proved to be unreliable, and I, I, I just, their, their strategy this season, and this offseason specifically, was a strategy that I have seen all too well, and if you've, shout out to Taylor Swift, and if you have listened to the podcast for the betterment of the last, you know, couple of weeks to year, you know I love Tom Brady. You know I love the New England Patriots. I don't talk about them that much because their run is done. The dynasty is officially over with. So there really isn't anything to talk about because they're like they're just is just done. However, the main thing that I learned, especially at the end of their run, was their overestimation of Tom Brady's ability. Not to say that Tom was underperforming, but because they essentially, not even overestimation of Tom Brady's ability, but their over-reliance on Tom. They essentially said, look, we have the greatest football player of all time. Why do we need a top-tier wide receiver? Why do we need top-tier running backs? Why do we need top-tier players when we can just settle for average and Tom can compensate? And it was this, it just made Tom Brady's job a lot harder, and he had to essentially be awesome all of the time. And when he wasn't awesome, they lost a lot of games, like the Tennessee Titans game, his final game, where he didn't have Gronk anymore, and they really didn't have a top-tier wide receiver. They tried to draft Nikhil Harry, and Nikhil Harry was and is just a straight-up, flat-out bust, and I think Julian Edelman, even for that game, was hurt. So, or not even that game, but Julian Edelman, Julie, I like Julian Edelman a lot. I still think he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I think three times three times Super Bowl champion Super Bowl MVP like all that good stuff I don't think you can just discount it but everybody does but like whatever like people are like accolades matter and then with Julian Edelman they're like oh accolades don't matter it's just like okay buddy sure but Tom had I think Julian Edelman was a great receiver I think Gronk is one of the greatest tight ends of all time if not the greatest but Tom had help here and there, but he never really had a top-tier back. He had a stable of backs in kind of this era where having a number one running back was kind of the norm. Tom really didn't. The Patriots were really the only organization in the last decade to really be consistent at having a stable of running backs. And Tom, he had Wes Welker. He had Randy Moss. He had, I think, Dion. He had um, like another speed wide receiver. He even had Brandon Cooks for a year. But the Patriots were very, very just firm on the position of Tom doesn't really, we shouldn't ever really go after top-tier players at wide receiver. And they paid for it, in my opinion, with they could have won more Super Bowls. But hey, you're fine with seven and being the all-time, or six, I guess, Tom won seven. You're fine with being tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers all-time for Super Bowls after having none. So it's just like if you're the Patriots, you'll just be like, yeah, like we, we loved that run. And so with Patrick, I saw that game and <clears throat> and I saw the Chiefs and it just it reminded me so much of Tom Brady and the Patriots in really the last 20 years. And once again, Patrick Patrick had a terrible game last night. And I I think it's a lot of different factors. I remember I was watching a lot of different reactions, and it seems as if a lot of different people have a lot of different perspectives on it. Here's mine, if I can't add mine as well. I think a lot of things are true. 
I think Patrick Mahomes struggled. Yes, I think he struggled. And I also think his wide receivers didn't help him out at all. His wide receivers, his tight ends, et cetera, et cetera, especially and specifically in the second half. Furthermore, and this is even more troubling to me, I think his offensive coordinator and Matt Nagy let him down as well. The play calling on both ends of the spectrum on both sides was not very good. And when you go from Eric Bieniemy, who a lot of people had questioned whether or not he is a top-tier offensive coordinator and offensive mind to Matt Nagy, where the offense was bland, was very vanilla, they didn't run as many screens, which they probably should have with Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore, it just seemed as if and seems like all of the air for Kansas City was taken out offensively with not only Travis Kelsey being out, but also Eric Bieniemy not being there and kind of the whole Chris Jones thing hanging over the hanging over the entire team. I remember Colin Cowherd said something interesting. He said that this is going to be the greatest defense that or defensive line that Patrick Mahomes will have ever and Chris Jones should come back because he's going to be playing with awesome defensive linemen because they were able to get pressure on Jared Goff. I completely disagree with that. I think the Detroit Lions offensive line and I said so last night. I said their blocking is weird. Like, at times, they'll have really, really awesome run and pass plays, and then other times, they'll just, I mean, they'll just let guys free in the backfield. Like, some of their, like, they let George Karloftis just free release, or not free release, but, like, they they threw screen plays out to George Karloftis unblocked, and I was like, George Karloftis is too smart, just over and over and over again, and he equated it to batted balls, but I was like, George is reading what the offense is doing perfectly. Ben Johnson called a terrible game for the Detroit Lions, and I think that's a bit of fool's gold when it comes to the pass protection, or not the pass protection, but the pass rush of the Kansas City. I think that's a little bit of fool's gold to believe. I don't think either defense played very well last night. I think Spagnola was terrible for the Chiefs' defensive um, play calling. Nick Bolton had a really, really nice game, the linebacker, but I mean, every single issue that I saw from the Chiefs in regards to them last year and really over the last couple of years, a very weak secondary and kind of a lackluster pass rusher, pass rush outside of a couple of players, it kind of holds true, right? Like George Karloftis seems to be like their next great pass rusher. Love George Karloftis coming out of Purdue, but they need another guy. They need another guy. I felt like Detroit's offensive line played like crap, and if they had played better, at times, or not even at times, but if they had played better last night, I feel like this game could have been a blowout. Because sometimes, not even sometimes, but Kansas City's run stuffing was god-awful. And Chris Jones can definitely help out with that, but really you want Chris Jones to pass rush. But man, oh man, is like some stuff that happened last night on the offensive line for the Lions and for the defensive line for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit overrated. I don't think either team really played well. Jared Goff had made enough plays. He didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes. There wasn't really anything that stood out for me from Jared Goff. It wasn't like he was playing at an elite level. It was just like he was playing at a average to good level, which is kind of what I have Jared Goff as, as a average to good quarterback. He made some really, really nice throws. He made, he like had a couple of throws where I was just like, I don't understand it. Some of his decision-making, there wasn't really any, like ironically enough, as Jared Goff is going up against Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead, Jared Goff really didn't need to make that many plays because the defense for the Detroit Lions had kind of kept them in the game and Patrick Mahomes and the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs really didn't have that much explosion. And that's something that I thought and think is a huge mistake for the Chiefs. A lack of explosion, a lack of verticality, a lack of an outside presence. Patrick Mahomes statistically... And like any other measurement, like statistically, you know, tape-wise, et cetera, et cetera, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. And the Kansas City Chiefs have absolutely, completely hand-strung him in regards to that facet. They have taken away one of his best attributes. I mean, could you imagine? I remember Colin Cowherd again today. He said, that, you know, Brett Veach is a smart GM. And I'm like, if Brett Veach is such a smart GM, why hasn't he found Patrick Mahomes a deep threat? I would have gone after Brandon Cooks. Dallas is really smart because they said, look, CeeDee Lamb is going to be our primary slot receiver. He's going to be our big volume 
catch guy. He's going to be our number one receiver. Michael Gallup is going to be our big physical presence on the outside, and we really need a speedy guy. So we have Kevante Turpin if Brandon Cooks doesn't work out, but we have Brandon Cooks as well. We have outside vertical presence to pair with Dak Prescott. The Eagles did the exact same thing with A.J. Brown. I mean, the Dolphins, they did it with both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But Kansas City, for some weird reason, a top contending team, a team that won the Super Bowl last year, is like our, our star quarterback who has one of the best, if not the, be the best, excuse me, deep balls in the league. Yeah, we're not going to get him a top-tier wide receiver that can stretch the field. In fact, we're going to trade our top-tier wide receiver that can stretch the field for two first-round draft picks to bolster the defense. It's very similar to what the Patriots did with Tom Brady. They took away his weapons. They took away Brandon Cooks. They took on, I think his name was Dion Ross. Back in the early 2000s. They took away all of his big players because they didn't want to pay him. Because they were like, hey Tom, figure it out. The Chiefs were like, hey hey Patrick, figure it out. We know, we know you're big on deep plays. But hey, figure it out. And, and Patrick, he took a lot of risks. He threw it in a triple coverage last night. He threw it at one time. He threw it in a double coverage another time. I mean, he's throwing it into horrendous situations. And he's just like, I got to do something. I got to try. And nobody, and he threw a dinger. And he was, I mean, he threw one of the worst passes I've ever seen last night. And it's just, Kansas City is up a really, really bad spot. I mean, that was a horrific performance all across the board especially as I reflect on it now. They have a lot more problems and a lot more issues than just Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey being out. Their offensive line last night was atrocious. Both of the tackles, the crap that Jawan Taylor was doing was just foul. And the referees not calling it, I swear, like all of them should be reprimanded and fired without caught with cause. Without any paycheck, without, like, they should have nothing from the league. That was a crap job by the officials. They should all be fired. They won't be, but they should be. Jawan Taylor is a terrible right tackle. He's god-awful. The whole fidgeting thing you could easily call as a false start, but then he lines up improperly, and then he false starts consistently throughout the game, like he's Lane Johnson. Except Lane is like a lot closer and it's a lot harder to kind of call. But Jawan Taylor, like literally one of the first plays of the game, I was like, isn't that a false start? I remember watching the first four series of the game and I was like, oh, that's a false start on Jawan Taylor, the right tackle. And this is before I got on the podcast last night. So he's just a terrible tackle, just unable to stop Aiden Hutchinson while being illegally lined up and false starting. He was unable to stop him. So that's an issue. And then Donovan Smith tripped Aiden Hutchinson because he can't stop him. And so I'm like, any elite pass rusher like Trey Hendrickson or Von Miller when he comes back, or if Joey Bosa still has it with Khalil Mack, I mean, the Chiefs are in a lot of trouble. And there isn't really a lot of options for them outside of really just trying to find one disgruntled wide receiver like Mike Evans um, because apparently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't want to pay Mike. I think that would be a great fit for the Chiefs and for Tampa Bay, you know, but the Chiefs are desperate and it just depends on how much they want to, you know, go for a Super Bowl this year. I mean, you're a great team potentially with the Chiefs. You kind of need to go, you, you need to do something. And I don't like their very, very lackadaisical nature with just Mahomes and the team and also them just being like, yep, we don't have to do anything. It just, it kind of irks me because it just, it won't last. And in fact, it, it didn't last for even a game. They lost the first game of the season to, in my opinion, an average to slightly above average team in Detroit who's probably going to win nine games this year, maybe 10, maybe they'll go eight, maybe they'll win eight games. I don't know, but it's, it's very obvious that they need to do something and they need to do something fast. They need to get both of their players back onto the football field, but then they also need to get another player 
And they probably need to figure out their tackle position as well. Like, permanently, they need to get somebody. As much as I hated the Tyler Smith pick last year, they probably should have drafted him, the Dallas Cowboys left guard, who had a really, really awesome season last season as both a left guard and as a left tackle for the Cowboys. So, I I just, I I don't understand it. I don't understand what the Chiefs are doing. So, I mean, we will we will see what happens with Kansas City long term. But yeah, I I did not like practically anything offensively that I saw from them yesterday. I didn't really like a whole lot that I saw from them defensively yesterday. It was it was a bit of a shit so overall and it it was just it was just not a great performance by them, and it exposed a lot of their very, very obvious weaknesses. And so we'll we'll see what happens long term with Kansas City. Anyways, Detroit. Detroit is something similar in the sense of. Man, I mean, I hate Ben Johnson so much. And I'm so annoyed that people hyped him up. Ben Johnson called such a crap game last night. I mean, that whole Jameer Gibbs thing where they were subbing in Jameer Gibbs when they should have just had Jameer Gibbs in the game for the whole time. They subbed in David Montgomery. If you go back to the podcast and if you listen to last night's podcast, you'll hear me complaining about how David Montgomery isn't playing and how Jameer Gibbs... Or how David Montgomery is playing and how Jameer Gibbs is riding the bench and all this other crap that I was watching. I was stunned at how inept the the Lions were at being able to sub in their number one wide receiver. Or not wide receiver, excuse me, but their number one running back. And the thing that irked me was when they said that they had a unique plan for Jameer Gibbs, and then we come to find out that it's just like, yeah, it's unique, all right, he's just riding the bench, and he was obviously better than David Montgomery, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close, right, it wasn't even, you know, David Montgomery is having an awesome game, etc., etc., it was, and Colin Cowherd, again, you know, as much as I've been bagging on him, he illustrated this point perfectly, he said during his show, he said, Jameer Gibbs had popped off for an 18-yard run, and this happened late in the fourth quarter or in the late in the game, essentially, right? Detroit needs this drive, and they need to score on this drive in order to win this game. Or maybe not win this game, but stay in this game. Jameer Gibbs on first and 15, I think, after a holding penalty, or it was a false start. It was a false start. Jameer Gibbs pops off for 18 yards and a first down after a holding penalty on first and 15. Gets taken off the field. David Montgomery gets the ball for the next three plays. First, second, and third down. It's now fourth down and two. And Ben Johnson does not get Jameer Gibbs, who on these out routes, on these screen plays, on any play that has him running to the edge, Jameer Gibbs has been borderline unstoppable. Does not sub him in. Has Jared Goff do some, I think, bootleg play that doesn't work on fourth and two? And I'm like, I'm pissed to all hell. I want to break something because I'm like, this guy, this guy was one of the leading candidates last year for a head coaching job. One, not even one year removed from that. We're talking, it happened in February. It's September. Seven months he has called all eyes on him on Sunday night football and he calls a crap game like he did yesterday and he almost cost them the game he was abominable and Dan Campbell if he has any sense will be like hey bud um don't ever do that shit again because we almost lost the game if Kansas City had played better we probably would have lost the game our defense played awesome and your bum ass almost cost us the game like eight times because you couldn't take advantage of the doggone Kansas City Chiefs horrendous defense speaking of Kansas City's horrendous defense I mean Mickey Spagnola just got out coached essentially by a freaking donut shout out to Spags I've always disliked him always disliked him as a defensive coordinator he has like some really really good games I'll admit it 
but the lows, man, are consistent, ever more consistent with every passing year. Teams have figured out what he runs. Teams have figured out what he does. Nobody's afraid of this guy. Jared Goff wasn't, especially when he doesn't have Chris Jones. And it was just an abomination from Kansas City defensively. It was an abomination by the Lions offensively. And the Lions, who do the Lions go up against next week? I got to look up both teams. Lions. Who Lions go up against next week? They go up against Seattle. They'll lose that game. They'll lose that game. On a longer week, they will lose against Seattle. And it's in Detroit. It's like their welcome home party. Kansas City goes up against the Jags. They'll probably lose that game. And then they'll be in a really, really bad spot. Because it's a very, very rare occurrence. I think only 12% of teams that go 0-2 in the first two weeks of the regular season go to the playoffs. So, I mean, it's a very rare occurrence. Kansas City probably can do it, but, I mean, next week is a huge game for them. And it's not a home game. It's an away game in Jacksonville. It's a huge game for them. But the way they played yesterday, if they play like, I'll say this. If Kansas City lose next week, huge problems are on the horizon because they miscalculated horrendously. And I don't think... With We'll see what happens with Jacksonville this weekend, but I don't think that Jacksonville with Calvin Ridley kind of on the scene will be able, or not will be able, excuse me, but will we'll lose to Kansas City without Travis Kelsey or with a banged up Travis Kelsey and with really no defense and things of that nature. Kansas City is, I think Kansas City is about to get dog walked. And then it's just like, you look at their schedule, man. Kansas City's because they're first place, obviously. I mean, they got, they got, uh, I mean, they play up against the Chargers twice this year. They go up against the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Bills. I mean, there's some really, really low lows. There's like, you know, there's teams like the Denver Broncos and, you know, we'll see about Denver, but there's some really, really like weak games in the schedule, but then there's some really, really difficult games where they could just lose straight up four or five, maybe six games this year and like barely make it to the playoffs and then get booted in like the divisional round because it's just like the shit that they were rocking with last year just doesn't exist anymore. I think Eric Bieniemy, excuse me, I was drinking some water. I think Eric Bieniemy was undervalued and underappreciated. And I think that it's becoming more and more obvious as the regular season kind of goes on, we're just like, oh, shit. These players are kind of just like uh, lost without Eric the enemy, but we will we will see what happens <clears throat> long-term when the Kansas City Chiefs don't have Eric the enemy. We'll see. Anyways. As I was saying, Kansas City lost, Detroit won. Congrats to Detroit. I'm not going to put an asterisk over this game. Uh, They won fair and square. I just think both teams are really, really significantly flawed here. I don't, I I said so, I think, when Kansas City didn't, when I learned about the whole Chris Jones thing, I was like, I don't think Kansas City will go to the Super Bowl again this year. I think it's going to be a separate team. It's going to be the Bengals or the Bills. Again, I think it's one of those two teams, unless... They can get somebody, maybe they can get DeAndre Hopkins away from the Titans. Maybe they can get Mike Evans from the Bucks. I think that's an interesting narrative. If they go 0-2, Brett Veach has got to do something. But And I think they will go 0-2. And I think that's an interesting... I just saw Juwan Taylor, literally, bottom of the second, second quarter, with at the two-minute warning. Juwan Taylor, false start. They don't call it. And it's just like... This game could have been a lot worse as, like, when in regards to, like, the margin for loss if Jawan Taylor just literally isn't false starting and lining up in a terrible position and, like, all this crap. It's just, like, and it's so obvious that he's just illegal. Like, he's illegally starting. He's in an illegal position, and they just don't call it. Just like, wow. I mean, they would have to call it on every single play, and it's just like, like, then call it on every single play. 
he has an advantage. Call it. Call the game. Do your job. But man, oh man, is Juwan Taylor a god-awful tackle. Kansas City's in trouble, man. Kansas City is in a heap of trouble. Anyways. I kind of wanted to talk about this, the whole Caleb Williams not going to the NFL if the team that he doesn't like is drafting him. And I, I think that that's brilliant, by the way, if you're Caleb. He's going to be the number one overall pick. And so I think in the next two, two drafts, I don't really know who's in the who's in the 2025 draft. I don't know the that projection. Whoever it is is probably not going to be better than like a fourth year version of Caleb Williams, who probably has won either one or two more Heisman trophies. Like we'll kind of see what happens with with that. But I mean, man, oh man, is Caleb Williams in an exceptional position. It's very similar, if not more significant than the whole Eli Manning thing, where Eli Manning said, I am not going to the San Diego Chargers uh, because they're such a terrible team. The same thing goes for John Elway when John Elway was like, like I think a team was considering drafting him and John Elway was like, look, I will play minor league baseball. And I think that's very similar to what's going on with Caleb Williams or Caleb, Caleb understands that he's, and this is, a great thing I think for sports because the last thing I want Caleb Williams to do and I want Caleb Williams to go the last place I want him to go is to like the Raiders for example who I love Devontae Adams but they just seem like a really really poorly run organization apparently Arizona may or may not be tanking for Caleb Williams as well I don't want him to go there as well because they I think I think the Cardinals have an awesome quarterback in Kyler, but they've just completely shafted themselves with him and the way that they've gone about Kyler and Steve Kime was a bad GM and he's been a bad GM and he's been on this whole slandering tour of Kyler kind of and all this other crap and he's been a terrible GM and the owner just doesn't get how to win and how to have a good structure and you have players complaining maybe not complaining is the best way to describe it because the it, it sounds like a negative connotation but bringing to light the status of the Arizona Cardinals training facility and the disarray that it's in in the sense of this organization didn't have a proper weight room I mean you had guys being like my college weight room is better than the Arizona Cardinals you have uneven floors in the weight room I'm like dude I, I pay a, like a $20 like a $10 subscription to a public gym that has even floors how the fuck as a multi-billion dollar organization do you not have a even floor in your weight room one of the most important rooms for your football players how do you how do you not have a good i mean goodness gracious i just bought a new macbook pro the attention to detail in the packaging for it is incredible multi-billion dollar corporation apple the attention to detail in football teams in the NFL at times is fantastic and phenomenal. And then at other times, it's Arizona level where they are more concerned and worried about, hey, man, how are we going to skimp as much money as humanly possible, just like the Cincinnati Bengals? So I have, going all the way back to, to Caleb Williams, and we'll talk about the Bengals and how they paid Joe Burrow. But it is without a shadow of a doubt a good thing that Caleb Williams understands his value because we don't have to see him suited and booted up for the Raiders now if you're a fan of the sport if you're a fan of the NFL you're like I want the Ra the Raiders to have some success sometimes I do but their owner is god awful their head coach is god awful and I don't want Caleb Williams this new brand new talent to have his growth as a player stunted by two absolute dinguses that run and coach that organization. So I am fine with him sitting out another year and taking another chance to not be drafted by the two dinguses in Arizona 
and also Las Vegas. I kind of hope Minnesota tries to take a crack at him. I try and hope that who else is like a team that needs a quarterback that's on maybe Atlanta. I like Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is also kind of a dysfunctional mess. And Arthur Smith will be gone soon. And the GM will also be gone soon. Like both of those two dinguses don't really know how to run a team. But goddamn, man. The last thing, at least Atlanta went to a Super Bowl in the last decade. I mean, my God, the Raiders are just abominable. They just make dumb decisions all the time. Like um, hiring John Gruden um, straight out of television and also getting Henry Ruggs III over CeeDee Lamb. Remember how that happened, right? They drafted Henry Ruggs III over CeeDee Lamb. I mean, it just it just looks... Not, I don't even want to say it looks bad because, I mean, that's... That's obvious, but Jesus Christ, man. I mean, they the Raiders are just... They're just terrible. But we'll see what happens with the Raiders and... With the Cardinals here. They're both probably going to tank for... For Caleb, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Atlanta as well. Gosh. Tampa Bay has to as well. I don't know. Apparently, Tampa Bay doesn't want to offer Mike Evans a new contract. And he's given them, I think, until tomorrow, which is Saturday, to give him a new contract. And they're not budging at all on a new contract. So this may be Mike Evans' last year in Tampa Bay. Which I don't really understand because Mike Evans is like a future Hall of Famer. Like, still in his prime, probably a year. I mean, he's 30 years old right now. God, Mike Evans is so young. It's so weird. He's been, like, dominating the NFL for almost a decade. But because he's been in Tampa Bay, like, nobody knows how awesome he is. Like, he only has a 1,000-yard seasons in the course of his career. And two of the best years he's ever had were with Tom. I mean, he is a insane wide receiver. And it's going to be fascinating to see him leave Tampa Bay because I think he'll go on and he'll have a glow up with probably Kansas City. He probably should go to Kansas City and they, they being the Bucks, should probably trade him. And I think this is kind of a consequence of Todd Bowles being the new head coach and the GM, Jason Licht or something like that, kind of just like, kind of just like underestimating his value, Mike Evans' value. It's like, bro, you like I like Chris Godwin, but he's not on he's not Mike Evans. And they really don't have anybody else offensively. And so it's just like I Alright, they're gonna roll without Tom, and that's gonna be terrible. And their defense isn't what it used to be. And I mean, Todd Bowles is not a, a good head coach whatsoever. And so this is his second year. He ran out Brian Leftwich, who I thought was a great offensive coordinator. He ran out Tom Brady, who I think is the greatest football player of all time. And now they're kind of just in no man's land here with Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield, who he tried to act. I love how Todd Bowles was like, I'm not going to play Baker Mayfield at all in the preseason, but I'm also not going to tell you who's the starting quarterback. And it's just like, dude, we can all see that it's Baker. Like, what are you doing? So... He pisses. Todd Bowles annoys me, among other things. <clears throat> he angers me. He makes me sad. It's a bit ridiculous. Some of the things that he does. I'm trying to think. I didn't know Peacock has this new TV show about the hotel. The Continental. You know, the hotel where murderers, I guess, go to. It's like I didn't know they, they were going to make a TV show. That's kind of cool. On Peacock. Peacock has so little originals that I care about. I'm like, I'm watching that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> they have that new Twisted Metal TV show. I heard it was good. Is it good? The new Twisted Metal TV show with Anthony Mackie. Twisted. It looks terrible. I saw a promo for it and I was like, this thing looks Hair red ball. 
Let me see this trailer. I I I unfortunately cannot feed you sound, or it sounds like crap. Like everything sounds like crap. I don't know why OBS does that, but I I can't I can't literally produce another like like um scene. Otherwise, it sounds terrible. Hold on. I'm watching this. I'm watching this uh this promo for it. <clears throat> it's kind of weird. They kind of like rebranded Twisted Metal to be like this de I'm watching the trailer now and I'm trying to comment on it. They essentially made Twisted Metal like the universe be like death metal or not death metal but like death race with Jason Statham. They kind of, that's kind of the vibe that they're going with. They're like, yeah, this is like Death Race and Twisted, not Twisted Metal, but Sweet Tooth is probably going to be one of the hunters that hunts people because, I mean, it's, it's a very, very obvious way that it's going to go. <laughs> I'm like, I can, I can read how it's probably going to go. Hold on. Wait, what is that? I'm like. What car is Anthony Mackie? I think he's driving like. I'm trying to see what car Anthony Mackie is driving. I'm, I, I've, I remember what it is. I think it's like a Mitsubishi something, or I, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, or something. I don't know. All right, I can't. I can't watch this. This is like two minutes long. I don't want to comment on it. I don't want to literally give you the play-by-play. -play. I would rather just play it for you, but I can't. Um, I'll kind of talk briefly about the whole Kirk Cousins thing. Eh, no, I don't, I don't care enough about it, to be honest with you. There was this story of how the 49ers had called the commanders to trade the second overall pick in 2017 for Kirk Cousins, and the commanders didn't even pick up the phone. Which I mean, it's that's such that's so commanders. It's like it's so on brand, how like bad and dysfunctional they are. But there's been some commentary about like, is that a real quote? Is that a real like thing that happened? I mean, I think so. But at the exact same time, if I'm like one hundred percent honest with you, I I don't care. It doesn't surprise me at all. The interesting thing, though, outside of the commanders, is this whole thing going on with T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. So Joe gets paid, I think, Thursday, maybe an hour before the game or something like that. Gets paid. Everybody freaks out. It's a great day for Bengals because you've locked down your star quarterback long term. And it's a great day for Joe because it's like he gets his money that he gets paid that he deserves. <clears throat> I love seeing players get money. But it kind of puts T. Higgins, the other star receiver that's been paramount for the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of in this weird, weird situation where he's now kind of the odd man out. He's not going to get paid. I mean, they can maybe franchise tag him and then trade him, but. They're then going to have to work on Jamar Chase and they're going to have to stall for like six months or something like that. Or, I mean, I would, if I wasn't going to pay him, I would just rip the bandaid off and just trade him. I mean, he may go, there's no way he's going to Kansas City. I don't think the Bengals are that stupid to be like, yep, we're going to trade essentially our second best wide receiver to our cross con, not cross conference, but our conference rival who are in desperate need of a top-tier wide receiver that also is like an amazing deep threat. It's like, yeah, that's not a good idea whatsoever, even if they do give you great draft compensation, because the Bengals, really for the AFC, should probably be favored to go to the Super Bowl and represent the AFC, because Kansas City is, is really fading right now. They're fading fast. And so if I'm the Bengals, there's the last thing I want to do is help out Kansas City. That's the last damn thing I want to do. I want to make them sweat. I want to make them lose. I want to help them lose. And so the Bengals paying Joe Burrow 
really, I've never thought that they were going to pay T. Higgins, but I will say this. I may be wrong about the long-term strategy that they had about T. Higgins in the sense of they didn't trade him this year and they didn't get draft compensation and they didn't move on and they didn't draft a wide receiver and they were all in this year to try and get a Super Bowl. And I was like, eh, I don't like that plan. I don't like that strategy, but it's very opportunistic, right, for them because now the Chiefs are in disarray. And now if you're the Bengals, you open up, I think, week one against Cleveland. And Cleveland, I mean, they're all pissed off because Jamar Chase said Cleveland is Cleveland. And so Miles Garrett is going to come out pissed off. So we'll kind of see what happens with that. But now you're in a very interesting situation as the Bengals where you're like, dude, we don't really have a lot of competition outside of the Bills maybe and maybe the Dolphins. And we'll see about the Jets. But like the rival that has been a thorn in our side for the last couple of years has been the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are now, I mean, they're playing on one leg. They're like hobbling around. Metaphorically and literally. So the gamble that they that they made this year, the Bengals with not paying T Higgins and moving forward with this season without paying him kind of is working because they're in a way better position than Kansas city right now, especially if they traded him to Kansas city. It's like, could you imagine T Higgins on the, on the chiefs, man? But yeah, Joey got paid. T Higgins didn't. It's probably going to be their last season together. We will see if they can win a super bowl. A lot of weird injuries going on by the way, as well. This weekend, like a lot of injuries for players like Zach Ertz may not play. Hollywood Brown may not play. Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, he not he may not play. Travis Kelsey was out on Thursday. Darren Waller is questionable. George Kittle is questionable. And then other players as well. They're all like, like veteran, important, imperative players. They may not play in the first week of the season. And I was like, what is going on in all these doggone training camps? It's very weird. Like, it's just like a bunch of huge names of just like players that you're just like, yeah, they just aren't going to play. It's like, how does how does that happen? We've had a month of training camp and guys just aren't playing. Cooper Cup is like another interesting name where Cooper Cup may not play, which is important because Cooper Cup is like their only wide receiver, the Rams. And if you're the Rams, I feel so bad for both Aaron Donald and for for uh for Sean Payton because they both came back and they were both like yeah we're gonna come back and we're gonna win Super Bowls and they both just are dead in the water right now they're both terrible or not terrible but they're both essentially excuse me married to this team that just really isn't going anywhere fast and so I I don't know. We will see about Aaron and Sean, who both were contemplating retirement after this season. Or not after the season, but after they won that Super Bowl. So, I mean, we'll see what happens here. We we will see. Anyways, I'm exhausted. What was I talking about? I don't even know. Players getting hurt. Let me look something up really fast. Let me look up the regular season list. Hold on. We'll go through some of these regular season games really, really fast because I am Mondo Tiredo. Talk about them. Bengals at Browns. I'll give you my game day predictions and then I'll peace out. Bengals at Browns. Huge, huge game for both teams. Bengals opening up against the Browns in Cleveland. And the Browns kind of um, in this really interesting position where Deshaun Watson is back. And Deshaun Watson is supposed to be kind of the favor. Not the favor, but the... uh, 
the savior of wow how did i mix up savior and favor um he's supposed to be the savior of the team of the organization and he really was not last year he was actually really fucking bad last year and the cleveland browns once again i mean they kind of i mean the analogy that jamar chase kind of gave like a like a couple of weeks ago was well, not even a couple of weeks ago, but I guess like a day ago was not inaccurate. They, I mean, they were God fucking awful with Deshaun Watson. And he was kind of supposed to be the guy that came in that was going to help them win games and elevate them to a whole nother level. And simply put, he was fucking terrible last year. Fucking terrible. And so now... The, uh, the question is, is is that does that terrible play transition into n- this year with the Browns or will he actually, I don't know, play like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? And that's kind of it's kind of like the question that will be answered this year against the Bengals week one game one. You could have had this on kind of as like a later place game, but the NFL was like, nope. Literally one o'clock, one of the first games. This is what we want. This is the game. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Overall, I think the Bengals probably take it. There's nothing that says to me that Cleveland is better than they once were, better overall, or whatever the case may be. I'm kind of a bit shocked by... Cleveland's ineptitude in a lot of ways with so many great football players but I mean Cleveland's bad Cleveland's been bad they have great players I don't know if they can recover I don't know if they will be better but Cleveland Cleveland has too many variables that I'm not really that I'm not really uh, in love with and I I love Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett's long-term kind of like status will be interesting. It's like, does he move on from the team inevitably? Cause there are, cause he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And I mean, he's given so much to Cleveland. I I mean, I don't know if, I mean, it's stable, you know, it's like the money's great. Probably loves the town, probably loves being a Cleveland Brown, but God damn. I mean, one of the best offensive linemen of the last 10 years and Joe Thomas and, one of the best pass rushers in the last 10 years and Miles Garrett and man, they can't even consistently go to the playoffs. I know they beat the Steelers in the playoffs, but the Steelers played like crap. Mm, mm, mm. Bengals over the Browns on Sunday. Texans at Ravens. The Ravens are going to beat the shit out of the Texans. It's just a dog walk at this point. The Texans are rebuilding the Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC Bucks at Vikings uh it's the Vikings probably I I don't trust Baker Mayfield whatsoever I don't like Baker Mayfield at all I think Baker Mayfield's a bit of a joke of a quarterback if I'm 100% honest with you and even though the Vikings are all over the place with their decision making with their deductive reasoning and just employing the best cognitive dissonance I've ever seen in my entire life, even with all that being said, they still have Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and also now Jordan Addison. So, and there's nobody that can own their secondary that can cover one of those guys. So we'll see what happens with the Vikings long-term, but short-term, I don't think they lose against the Vikings. Or excuse me, I don't think they lose against the Bucks. Panthers at Falcons. I think it's the Panthers that'll take the Falcons. Um, Not because I think the Panthers are a good team. I don't think they are. I think they need a lot of help, but I think Bryce is easily probably one of the best players in that division now. Uh, He needs a lot of help around him for sure, and we'll see what happens with Frank Wright long-term and what he's going to do. But the Falcons are just abominable. I think when it comes to coaching, I also think when it comes to the GM, I don't think he knows what he's doing. And they just seem to get these awesome 
offensive players, Bijan Robinson, one year, Drake London last year, and then the year before that it was Kyle Pitts, and they seem to just not know what to do with any of those guys. So we will we will see what happens with all three of those players here in the near future because it would be a quarterback's dream to be able to play with one of the best young running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers to be drafted in the last couple of years, but they can't seem to get the quarterback right. So Atlanta, I think it's beaten by the Panthers. Cardinals at Commanders. The Commanders seem to have had a really awesome offseason. Commander fans will be in attendance. The Cardinals, interestingly enough, cut Colt McCoy, who I thought was one of their best backup quarterbacks, if not the best backup quarterback that they had for, I don't even know who it was. I don't really care. And by all means, it looks like they're kind of silently tanking. That's what the perception is around the media. I think to some degree they are. I also think to other degrees, they're also not very good. So. Commanders over Cardinals. Jags at Colts. Jags. The Colts are terrible. Anthony Richardson will be terrible. 49ers at Steelers. I'm taking the 49ers now that Nick Bosa is back. He'll be on limited snaps. I'm not a big fan of the Steelers overall this year. I think they need some work on the offensive line. Like when I remember thinking to myself, I was like, oh yeah, Nick Bosa will be on limited snaps. But then I was like, oh yeah, um, the Steelers have a crappy offensive line. I was like, oh yeah. And they also have Javon Hargrave as well the 49ers. So we'll see what happens there. George Kittle is questionable. I don't care. 49ers over the Steelers. Titans at Saints. Saints, the Titans. I mean, they're going to roll out Derrick Henry again, but Derrick Henry is hurt. And Derrick Henry also, maybe not hurt, but Derrick Henry is just old now. And this seems to me like their last year with, what's his name? Mike Vrabel, who just isn't a very good coach. And they're going to try and roll out that corpse again and probably fail miserably with with Vrabel against the Saints and uh, Vrabel in a division with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's like, yeah, that's not going to end well for him. Titans get destroyed by the Saints on Sunday. Raiders at Broncos. Broncos, but this is a toss-up. This is a game where we will see if the Broncos are as abominable as they once were last year. Um, but now with Sean Payton, or if they've made some progress and are now better than what they once were, which isn't very hard considering that Nathaniel Hackett got fired at the end of the season last season. So, I mean, it's not that difficult to be better than the worst team in the NFL, essentially, but you, you would be surprised, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know the way that you lean on this type of stuff. Anyways, sorry. Just kind of looking at something. Just trying to like read this article. But Patriots versus the Eagles. It's kind of an interesting game. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of the Patriots this season. I don't think the Patriots are, you know, a, like a contender. I don't think they have. Not, I I don't like the whole broad and generalized usage of contender because it's like is that a playoff contender? Is that a Super Bowl contender? What does contender mean? In reality, I I just I think the Patriots are one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I think the Patriots are probably going to get dog walk for the most part. I think the Patriots are a bit of a joke, um, especially considering just how bad their wide receiving core is. And the Patriots, man, oh man, they've just fallen from grace overall. However. The Eagles are a fascinating team in the sense of the Eagles, they should be significantly better than the Patriots. But as we just saw with the Chiefs this past night with Eric Bieniemy being gone to the Washington Commanders and how huge and how pivotal of an impact it was for the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs weren't really able to get really anything going offensively. 
And I mean, it, it was, it was hard for them. And it was because of the scheme. It was because of how terrible the scheme was. And I think, I don't think, or I think, excuse me, that it's not being talked about how significant the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for the Eagles are, or the former coordinators. It's like either the Eagles will get better or they'll get worse. I don't think they are kind of in the middle or they'll stay the same or whatever the case may be. I think that they're either in a heap of trouble or in no trouble whatsoever, or they may have gotten better because um, truth be told, maybe they were both a little bit overrated, the two coordinators, but we'll kind of see what happens here on Sunday where the Patriots could give the Eagles some pushback a little bit, but it could just be more or less the same where the Eagles kind of mop the Patriots because the Patriots aren't very good. Rams at Seattle. Rams are done for the next year to two years. Seattle is... I don't think they're better than the 49ers. I think they've added a lot of really awesome pieces like Jackson Smith and the Jigba, like Devin Witherspoon. I think... J uh, Jamal Adams, I don't think he's going to be playing, but it's going to be interesting to see him play again. The the Patriots, not the Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, they have some interesting pieces long term, but I mean short term, this is a, I mean this isn't even I'll just spend like 5 seconds on this. I mean, the Rams, we don't even we don't even know if their top tier wide receiver is playing, which is a it's it's important considering like how little stuff Seattle has. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Or not how little stuff Seattle has, how little stuff the Rams have offensively. It's like, oh, crap, and now we don't have our only wide receiver, essentially. That kind of bites. So we'll see what happens here long term. Dolphins versus Chargers. God, what an awesome game. That one. I think I'm rolling with the Dolphins here. A, because it's going to be another away game for the Chargers because the Chargers, they don't have any home games. And then B, I don't trust Brandon Staley at all. I think Brandon Staley is a terrible head coach. I think he's overrated. And I think these last two seasons have kind of been proof of that. And it's kind of up to the Chargers to decide what to do with him as a head coach, whether they should fire him or not. They 1,000% should. And... I mean, the Chargers, man, the Chargers, man, it just, it feels like they're done after this year with Brandon Staley. And they should be because Brandon Staley isn't very good. But the Dolphins, though, they seem like they're on the come up. They have a really, really awesome unit, a really, really awesome team with Tyreek Hill and also Jalen Waddle. And I think Tua is just going to be better this year than he, than he was. I think Tua has gotten a lot of hate, a lot of slander. I really liked Tua coming out of Alabama. I think injuries have kind of plagued both his college career and his professional career. And I'm not I'm not a guy that's like, oh my God, he's small and that's a problem and that's an issue. I think I think Tua has just had some bad luck. You know, I think the concussions, like concussions, he doesn't have con he doesn't get concussions because he's small. He gets concussions because he didn't have any strength in his neck, pause, which caused the whiplash, which caused the back of his head to hit the turf, or technically the grass, really, really hard, twice in like four days. And he shouldn't and he should have been, by the way, ruled as concussed. By the way. So it's like save the player, protect the player from themselves. Miami. Anyways. Packers versus Bears, I think it's more or less the same with the Packers. I think the Bears are are significantly overrated. I mean, I've seen people predict the Bears to win 10 games, and I'm like, where? Where, where are the 10 wins? The Bears suck. The Bears don't have really anything offensively outside of Justin Fields and DJ Moore, and the Packers are a really, really well organization in a front office. I think people just want the Packers to suck because Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. And they believe that Aaron was this key cog for the Packers success, which he was. But Jordan Love is a very fascinating player to me who had some really, really good moments in the preseason. Sad part is, is that he's not going to have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I have no idea what happened there, which that's kind of important. But I, I don't believe in the Bears at all. I think the Bears are overrated significantly. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. 
Cowboys at Giants. Kind of a fascinating game overall because the Cowboys have been lambasted by Dak Prescott's interceptions. And I literally just saw the – because I'm watching the Chiefs versus the Lions again right now. I literally just saw the Kadarius Tony interception where Kadarius Tony just doesn't catch a pass that gets deflected off of his hands and it goes for a pick six. And that was one of the key reasons why Kansas City lost, actually. If you look at the box score, they lost by, I think, one point. If Patrick doesn't throw that pick six, they win the game. Handedly, by the way. Again, another reason why I'm like Brandon Staley sucks. Or not Brandon Staley, but Ben Johnson sucks. But again, everybody's been focusing on Dak's interceptions. The interceptions last year were an anomaly. Dak has had a very, very good career or great career against the Giants. He essentially hasn't lost a game against the Giants in almost 10 years. Outside of his rookie year, of course where he lost two, and then he just goes on this immaculate run where he's almost about to tie Roger Staubach and wins against, like, a divisional opponent, which is the Giants. And, I mean, it's just it's just been one thing after another with Dak, with the Giants. And, I mean, he may have one of his best wide receiving cores ever that arrival, potentially Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, where CeeDee Lamb is, like, literally now one of the best wide receivers in the NFL with a great wide receiver in Brandon Cooks, in my opinion, with maybe a healthier Michael Gallup. I don't know. But Jalen Tolbert is a really, really interesting name for the Dallas Cowboys, as well as Cavante Turpin, as well as Deuce Vaughn, as well as like Tony Pollard. Like I think Dallas will be able to run Rackshaw against the Giants, who essentially their best receiver in Darren Waller is potentially going to be out on Sunday. So... We'll kind of see what happens there. And then the Bills and the Jets. I'm not buying into the Jets kind of fool's gold thing where everybody's juiced up on the Jets and the Jets are going to win and all this other crap. I'm not buying it for a second. I'm not buying Aaron, especially when he's been complaining about the offensive line for the last month. I'm not buying that crap, but everybody else is. I think the Jets are fool's gold. I think the Bills will be fine. I think the Bills will go on and take down the Jets and everybody's going to freak out about Aaron Rodgers on Tuesday. But those are my predictions. I'm exhausted. It's over midnight and um, I still got to do some homework. So I'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. 24's podcast.